Welcome to The Challenge with John and Judy Chapman, where we are the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, and we are endeavoring to make Christian Talk Radio a contact sport. Put this number in your head. Put this number in your phone, 515-727-5842. Or uh, you can tune in on 99.3 FM Facebook Live with us every Wednesday, every Friday from 3 to 4 p.m. We have... I'm sorry. Right now, I, I just got to get right to it. We, we've been we've been seeing this on the news, um, and I want you to prepare your hearts too. Uh, if you're if you're tuning in today, if you're hearing my voice right now, um, I want you to ask the Lord, what do you have for our nation next? What would you have me do? Uh, and we want to hear from you also. Once we get into the meat of this a little bit, 515-727-5842. Again, 99.3 FM Facebook Live. Uh, you can tune in there and get involved in the conversation. Um, baby, I'm not even sure exactly where to begin, except that my heart has become so burdened with, and last week we talked about things with, uh, gender questions and 11-year-olds who are not abusive but being abused. Uh, they're, too, they're too young yet to know by dressing in drag and now, uh, and it's being applauded. Um, we have to, we have to, we have to come to God, come to His holiness, come to our knees because we see this. This isn't the first time. I know this isn't the last time, but this is the now time. And we're a radio program right here in central Iowa. So when it was released yesterday that Judge Michael Hubert or Huppert, and I don't mean I don't mean if I I'm not trying to disrespect his last name. I'm not exactly sure. Um, ruled that it was unconstitutional. Uh because of Article 1, Section 6 and 9, that the heartbeat bill was turned down. And what does this show, Judy? What does this even begin to show? And this isn't even the first. And this isn't the only thing that happened in this nation on that same day that, that we got to rise up here a little bit and get, rise up and get on our knees. What is this saying? Right. To us today. This just shows the magnitude of the need for the gospel ultimately. Yes. yes. Uh, something like something like this could not take place. Um a vote for this uh to come into agreement with this type of legislation that um is so against the wickedness it is so against, uh, I'm sorry, it's wicked. I'm, I'm frustrated. I know, I know. It's wickedness against the innocents. Um, I don't understand how somebody could come into agreement with this, and yet we, under, we do understand that without the love of God in you, without the saving grace of Jesus Christ, without coming to a full understanding of the magnitude of sin and what it does, 
you would agree with this. You, you must know God to not think this is right. Yes. Let you, me say that different. Yes. If you think this is right, it's a demonstration of your greatest need for God because you simply do not understand life. Right. Which is what Christ came to give us, which is what Christ died for. And so this is a representation to us of the great great need of the gospel of Jesus Christ to come forth in even greater measure. Yes. Yes. It, it, there's no other answer. And, and it gets it gets tough. Uh, uh, um, your heart is full. I've seen it be full most of this day in regards to this, Judy. Yeah. And the response is correct. First and foremost, I want to say this because of the importance of it. You said it so profoundly correct that the greatest need that we have here right now is for the gospel. And um, you need to hear those words for the truth of what they are, because the gospel is power for changing a person's heart because of the righteousness of God, not because of God's allowance for what still gets to happen that is against him. We don't get saved so that we can live lives of sin. We become saved because Jesus has paid for all of that. And we are seeing again that the gospel perhaps is not being preached in the way that the gospel needs to be stated in its truth because the power of God comes in the gospel when it's rightfully preached, correctly stated as for what it is and what it does. Because the nation is responding with the kind of legislation. I want to say something, too. We're not against Judge Michael, because he is responding to what he is interpreting that particular point of the Constitution is. He's going to the law. He's, go, excuse me, he's going to the Constitution, and, and he's making a judgment call. Now, I think that means something, but... Right, and it's a district court judge, <clears throat> right, which right, means right. it can be appealed and probably will be. I would imagine. Yeah, so... Even though he ruled that way doesn't mean it's the end and it's over. Oh, Bob, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I have been just heart sick most of this day in in all reality. Mm-hmm. This has been a really hard day. Oh, yeah, this is this is hard. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, I the reason I have a lot of I have experience with that because I was accused of doing something wrong when I worked for the state and attorneys uh-huh. wanted me to go to jail. Right. And so I kept going to court because there were judges that were agreeing with what I did. It was okay. But we kept going until one said, no, it's not okay. <laughs> and so the right. state was looking right. for somebody to say no so that it could be appealed to a higher court. Right. And it was, and it took a year. And, wow. and the Court of Appeals, Supreme Court, actually vindicated what I did. And it, and it, it was front page in the register for about a week that wow. I did wrong. And uh, then when it was resolved, it was on page, I think, 29 uh, uh-huh. of a paragraph. Anyway. Yep. So, you know, this is, uh, it, it was going to have to be challenged. And so you look for a judge that may be sympathetic for your case. And uh, then, so I see this as a normal thing, so it's not over. Woo! <laughs> That's the best news I've had all day. <laughs> well, I, it, I don't understand all those processes, you mm-hmm. know, so 
to me, I hear the news and it just, it just, it, the dagger goes right through my soul. Yeah. So if it, if it comes to the Court of Appeals or even Supreme Court, you have Court of Appeals and Supreme Court. And if the Supreme Court says it, then you can be upset. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm uh, obviously, you know, you wouldn't want it to be, but I expected this to happen. Well, and it also okay. helps us. It also helps us to identify some things, and that's some of what we're going to talk about too. And if you want to call in and talk about some of the things you've seen in this, or you feel the Lord is helping you to identify, it shows us and identifies where we're at as culture. Because by the way, across the board, our culture does not identify well. It's it's learned to not know its identity um, when when. Uh, when things like not knowing what your sexual identity is acceptable when we do know when it is, um, then we have other problems that happen. And even in particular, um, one of the things the church begins to struggle with where it wants to set its identity. Uh, and so one of the reasons that we are here to challenge or say this today, because this needs to be said, is that you have to have your identity in Christ. And when we say in Christ, that means under the full influence and absolute power of and fully submitted to his righteousness, which is his holiness as set forth by his father. It is no longer good enough to say, I'm a Christian because I learned about it. Nobody gets saved because they came to a mental ascent of understanding. It is the power of God of coming to the place of humility that required you to believe by faith that there is nothing you could do, and it is Jesus and Jesus alone who did it. And that's what we're talking about, that we need to know as a church, that's where we set our identity. Right. I want to share this. It's a, a statement by historians Will and Ariel Durant, and they wrote a classic book called The Lessons of History. And they say there is no significant example in history of society of society successfully maintaining moral life without the aid of religion. There's also a a little thing I want to read you by a Russian author, Alex and Solzenstein. And he says imperceptibly through decades of gradual erosion, the meaning of life in the West has ceased to be seen as anything more lofty than the pursuit of happiness. The concepts of good and evil have been ridiculed for several centuries. Banished from common sense, they have been replaced by political or class considerations of short-lived value. It has become embarrassing to appeal to eternal concepts. Judging by the continuing landslide of concessions made before our eyes, the genera- of our generation alone, the West is slipping toward the abyss. Oh, I, I couldn't disagree with that, that the West is slipping towards the abyss. And I'm not trying to play the we're doomed card, but there's also something called the reality card. Man. It's just the decline <laughs> in the value of life. Our culture does not understand life. And I also want to defend their ignorance in this way. You cannot comprehend the value of life or understand it without knowing the author and the giver of life, because he is the only one who can help you experience that. And he is the only one who can give you the revelation of the value and the meaning of life. He's the only one. Yes. 
Anything else will be an intellectual thought, uh, an intellectual debate, and all that. I'm not going to knock that because there is some sort of value found within those pages of conversation. However, to understand and experience for yourself life, eh, it only comes from God. Yeah, You can't yeah. do that without Christ. No. Which brings us right back to the massive need for evangelism within our own country. That's just it. If we don't recognize that that is what the need is, that we are missing, because there is, we will always, when I heard this yesterday when I was driving home, oh my gosh, this is out, this is just out, um, and I just caught it. I was realizing that, in fact, the first thing I thought was, is this is proof positive that when we do battle against men to try to put righteousness in place, even that can be futile in the end, and is which is why the gospel still needs to be an uncompromised gospel preached to this nation by the Lord through its people. We'll be right back. to the challenge where we are crying out in the wilderness today. This is the conversation we are having. We are talking about what has happened in the state of Iowa. Guess what? It's happening in New York City, too. Also released in the press that they passed yesterday an abortion bill at an incredible rate of how many people were for it because they've been stalling this bill until they got enough Democrats in there, notably, to get past what they want to get past. And I want to say I commend anybody who's fighting for what they're fighting for, and we can't be shocked We can't be shocked when this happens. And according to that bill that was passed, from the point of conception, for any reason, any reason a baby can be aborted, hold on, I wrote it down, I want to be very accurate with this, up to the first 20, I want to say two, 22 weeks, 24, 24 weeks for no particular reason. And then the bill specifically states, this is in the state of New York, that up until the day of birth even, all the way up to then, it opens it up for if they feel that the life of the the mom is at threat. And so we are talking about this today again, and people go, oh, this is just another old conversation. Folks, I got to tell you what, the reason this isn't an old conversation is because the church hasn't woken up yet. I'm going to say that one more time. The reason this is not an old conversation, because the church has not awakened to respond. And I want to say, I just saw the little video clip from my favorite movie, almost of all time, Secondhand (laughs) Lions, and my favorite little scene where there you have Robert Duvall playing Hub in the bar, yes, church folks, drinking a beer, (laughs) eating a steak, and what happened? You, you all know. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those punks come in there, right? And here's the two brothers. There's the more gracious one, but then there's Hub, and Hub's done it all. And even oh no, he cusses from time to time. It's terrible. And you know this kid comes in, and it's the best speech ever when he grabs the kid by the throat. But the most important takeaway from that speech, and I just caught it yesterday on Facebook, somebody posted it, is this. He said, there's a lot of good-meaning people who do nothing. And he grabs this boy by the neck while he's making the speech. And I want to tell you today, it's time to stop being well-meaning. It's time to stop 
taking hook and sinker. This is different than loving people. Loving people is correct. But it's time for the church to stop saying, well, we love people by not grabbing them by the neck and stopping what is wrong. And I'm not talking about physically grabbing somebody by the neck. What I'm talking about is when we become so kind-hearted in our well-meaning, it causes us to do nothing, and evil is allowed. You are talking about well-meaning according to the world standard. I want to talk about well-meaning <laughs> for the heart and the purpose of the Lord. It is time for the church to start thinking about God's feelings instead of the world's feelings. It That's is right. time for the yeah. church to start thinking about standing before God one day and, and answering for what you did and did not do. It is time for the church to step up and stop letting the world define grace because they've got it wrong. It's time for the church <laughs> yes. to step up and start looking at what God has called you to do in this time that he's created you to live in and do it. And I want to read Proverbs 24, verse 11 and 12. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, hey, but we knew nothing about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? And will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Now, I don't say that, even though I kind of want to say that in a threatening way, I know I ought not, so I repent for that, because I kind of did. But what I want to say is it's time for you to really consider the truth of that, that you will stand before God one day and answer for what you did and did not do. And if you would want God to guard and protect your life and count it valuable, and if you want those who love you to stand beside you when the world assaults you, or if your life is in uh, under attack or in jeopardy, isn't it your obligation to turn around and do the same thing for others, especially the innocent? This is not a racial thing. This is not a political movement. This is life and death. This is the sin issue of murder. This is corruption. This is a satanic move against life itself. This is a satanic move against the very life of Christ. Amen. Amen. Les, thank you for being patient and holding on there. Thanks for calling in. You've got a comment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, Judy's in the house. <laughs> Judy is back. <laughs> no, what she I'm says just, is I'm, true. Absolutely. I, I'm just sitting here getting all excited. And I thought I was in church for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you called, Les. Thanks. I, you know, I, I, I had uh, one statement to make, and then I started, uh, I, I was listening to Judy, and it's like, I'm so full. You know, there's... <laughs> then you changed <laughs> but, your mind, right? <laughs> yeah, no, there, Pull the trigger. There was one thing... <laughs> yeah, it's like starting a lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> uh, Judy, you said something earlier. You said something about being banished from common sense. You know, people are taught uh, yeah. to not think anymore. Right. Uh, you, you know, you have these group thinks and these group think tanks. You know, you get together with one thing in mind, whatever that leader deems uh, important or, or whatever, sure. you know, and then yep. you get a group and you have that group think and uh, like a group tank. And 
and it's like you have this list of people, all the smart people, you know, all the whatever it is, whatever their agenda is, you have a list of people. And very rarely will you find Jesus on that list. <laughs> right. And, That's and, right. Yeah. And if you do, mm-hmm. you need to throw it away. Absolutely. Because Jesus, Jesus stands alone, don't he? Absolutely, you, you, yes. You throw, you, you throw that away. And, you know, I was, I was reading about um, Dred Scott, and it was about a, uh, a married couple who were slaves, and they were living in the, free, in the free territory at the time, and they sued to be free because they were living in, the, living in the territory. They got denied, and they were told that they couldn't be free. And uh, one of the reasons was because they were considered uh, property. Right, and and right. I look at this whole abortion thing, and it's mm. like these women, they don't see their children. They don't see oh, children man. as people. They see them as property that they can oh. do away with, oh, do less. with what they want. And, oh, and it's, it's the like, same. Oh, my word. Uh, you oh. know, and, and it's so, and this is for another, but it, it just <laughs> irks me within the black community because that's where the highest abortion, and, and you know, where are Jesse Jackson, you know, when Black mm. Lives Matters, and this is the very Negro project that Margaret Sanger started to eliminate black lives. And, and, and it's like, it's prevalent in the black community. The, the, the clinics are set up in 90, 90, 79% of the surgical clinics are set up in minority neighborhoods. And that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed from 1973. It started with, with uh, the Roe v. Wade thing. Yes. Yep. And uh, you know, but when you look at life, as property, then, it, right. then it's not life. Amen. That's right. And, you know, so th- that's that's all I wanted to say. Powerful <laughs> words, Les. Powerful words. That That is. And uh, we're going to be right back. Thank you again for holding. Thanks for sharing your heart. And I want to say this. Are we having children because we think it's a benefit to us? Or have we? are we willing to have children because it sacrifices ourselves for the benefit of the child, the next generation? We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Challenge with John and Judy Chapman, where we are the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, and we are endeavoring to make Christian talk radio a contact sport. And we do want you to get involved in the game today. We have a tremendous amount of people online right now that are following in this conversation, involved in it. Thank you so much. 99.3 FM Facebook. You can tune in right there and get involved in the conversation. And it has been, in one of the words on Facebook, this conversation is on fire with balls of fire on it there. And I, I think that would uh, play out as being very true. Um, Bob, somebody uh, had weighed in statistics again. Let's throw some of those out there because we are talking about today what just happened in the state of Iowa, which is a um, uh, a court, a lower court, has just ruled that it is unconstitutional for the heartbeat bill, which we know was worked on very hard last year. Um, but there's some real numbers out there as far as babies' lives that are lost. Right. Uh, Dennis uh, said in 2017, 882,000 abortions were performed in the USA. In 2016, that number was 885,000. And then less uh, stated 19 million black babies aborted since Roe v. Wade, 1973. 19 million. Okay, I've got to assert this is the opinion column of John Chapman right now, but I got to say this. 
This is another reason, folks, that um, social justice does not work, because when you split up humanity and not give Christ as the point of salvation, the one thing that can actually place value in any human, if you exalt any other thing as being the thing that's going to benefit them, I got to tell you something. Until you know who you are in Christ, you are duped about your value. And if that is not the emphasis on this, this is going to continue. These numbers continue. And I want to say, as a matter of record, that as long as social justice is the thing that's preached in society or from the pulpits, you are actually against the people you think you are trying to support. Because without Christ... You cannot know who you are called to be, what you are able to do, and by the power of him alone can we do faithfully and become who we are designed to be able to do. And by the way, that means by his provision and by our ability to do what the Bible says you can and must do this, and you will benefit from this. But when you take that out of the equation, this is where we're at. That is a sad statistic. It is. So I want to take a minute right now. And if you are listening to this broadcast, I want you to comprehend. I want it so bad for you to know how valuable you are. And I don't care where your life has been. And it doesn't. More important, God knows where your life has been. God knows what sin you have walked through. And even if you have had abortions in your life. I want you to know there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. And when I say that, I mean in the arms of Jesus Christ and in crying out to him, in repenting to him for whatever sin you've walked in, for whatever sin your life has been consumed with. If you bring it to Christ, your value is so much higher than that. He wants to forgive you and draw you to himself and pull you into his heart and love you so that you do know the value of life. And it is because we've had this experience. We passionately cry out on behalf of those who don't know the value of their life and more so even cry out louder for those who don't even have the chance to know the value of their life. America has become so hardened. I want to briefly, quickly read this. Pull up, sit still, listen close. This is America. When we discovered the so-called fetus had a heartbeat, we did not stop killing. When sonograms were developed, allowing us to physically see the form of a baby, we did not stop killing. When Jane Roe from the Supreme Court, Roe v. Wade, uh, when she came forward and said it's the biggest mistake in her life. We did not stop killing. She had a television ad that said, you read me about, you read about me in history books, but now I'm dedicated to spreading the truth about preserving the dignity of all human life from natural conception to natural death. When she came out abortion, we still did not stop killing. When abortion was exposed through the Silent Scream documentary in 1984, we did not stop killing. And lastly, when Planned Parenthood began dismembering post-aborted baby body parts and selling them for profit, we did not stop killing. Are we any different than Nazi Germany? Well, the ideals are the same because Nazi Germany also employed the ideas of removing the Bible, buying off, buying off pastors so that the gospel is actually not preached. 
by the way, those pastors that actually went to prison, it's because they preached the gospel. And this is this is a signing. And when I say the gospel, unfortunately, too many people, too many of us religious people, too many of us well-meaning people, too many of us pastors who have been pastors all of our lives with retirements we're looking at because we're pastors, think that the gospel is simply a mental assent and a simple statement. It is not. And where the Holy Spirit convicts a person when the real gospel is being preached, which, by the way, the real gospel includes that we are all going to be judged. If, if that is not known, the gospel is short on what you're preaching. If holiness and holiness defined is not known, the gospel you preach is short of the mark. If you remove the elements that offend people, then the gospel you preach saves no one. Let me say that again. If you remove the elements that offend people, then the gospel you preach saves no one. We are not here to condemn any person Mm -mm. because we are here by no small amount of grace ourselves. But the gospel that I was saved by was preached, holding out nothing, leaving no holds barred. It came forth for both holiness and the righteousness and the judgment of God. And I knew that. Shannon, thank you so much for waiting. Thank you so much for joining us. What's on your heart today, Shannon? Um, I just want to apologize in advance. Uh, I do have my daughter with me, so she may make some noise in the background. Awesome. We love it. <laughs> um, I just, I kind of wanted to weigh in, um, in like on the phone about uh, just the whole topic in general, because Facebook's been kind of acting up a little bit. Um, but like, I kind of just wanted to share my story as well. Like I was um, a victim of abuse, uh, sexual abuse, and that is, you know, how I got my daughter. I was uh, pregnant at 17, had her at 18, and being a teen mom is like one of the hardest things possible, mm. in all honesty. Um, like I like I had said earlier on Facebook, I almost didn't have her due to my circumstance, and having Planned Parenthood there to be an option was awesome. Uh, but you know, God was, had a completely different view for my life. And honestly, like the whole law thing that just passed through is, it makes me want to cry because it's like, how could someone wait that long for that decision? Like if the mother wouldn't live up until that birth, like if there was a very low chance of survival of giving birth, I completely can see how you would want to terminate the baby because why would you take your life away from your family, from your husband or whoever? Um, But it's just, it's so, it's so heartbreaking because it's, I don't know. And the whole Planned Parenthood being in the minority, it's just a lot more sexual assault, a lot more rapes, a lot more of all this stuff happens to the minorities, it seems. And so them having that backup is, is good. But to me, it's, all, it's really sad. Like, I don't know. I'm, I really mixed feelings about abortion. Like, it's good for some people, especially if it needs it, just due to, like, me being on that side of I almost did it. Yeah. But Janet, can I ask you a question? First of all, I want to thank you so much for being willing to say what you're saying. Yes. And and I also want to say thank you for keeping that baby, Shannon. What preciousness God has given you. Yeah. Let let me ask you, Shannon, since you made the decision and I'm sure it was tough. It was hard. You you felt the weight of that when you did. Has God responded 
would you say faithfully in your life since you made that decision? Oh, goodness, yes. I would not take her back for anything. I would not take what happened back for anything because she's here for a reason. And I I don't want to say that I was assaulted for a reason because I would never wish that upon somebody. Right, right. But it, it did happen for a reason. And I am now so happily married and... You know, he took the role of the father, and you know, she's just she's going to have such a great life. And I just, he, God has done so much for me now, and it's amazing to see what's going to happen for her life. Shannon, I cannot tell you how much uh, we are thankful for you being willing to call in. And um, you make some powerful statements on Facebook also. And um, I'm telling you, we rejoice right now with what God is doing in your life. But what you're doing right now is a testament and a statement that will minister to many. Bless you both. Thank you for bringing your baby on air. Do we hear her back there? It's just perfect. (laughs) It's a beautiful sound. We're going to pass the tissues around here and then we're going to be right back. Lord bless you, Shannon. Welcome back to The Challenge, uh, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. 515-727-5842. Please feel free to call in. Um, It's been a tremendous day. This has been a powerful day right now. We're talking about probably at its most base place, us seeing one of what I would call two, but I would say this is first because it's been so prominent in this country, revealing where we have uh, been at lack as the church, because abortion has been an issue for so long. Um, And by the way, it's not an argument about the rights of the woman. Um, Fundamentally, in Christianity, by the way, if if you are a Christian, if you you go around and you say, look, I'm a Christian, I've been saved, I'm a Christian, I've been saved, that means you don't have any. I got to say that again. If you're a Christian, it actually means you've given all your rights up. So when we begin to employ rights, thinking that we have rights as Christians, you need to rethink that right now. Um, You need to rethink that if you're an American citizen, you have rights. Because if you're a Christian, you even gave up all that. Um, We thank the Lord for for what things happen in this country that honor him and glorify him. And you cannot take away the hearts and the lives of the people that gave their lives wanting to proclaim the gospel. And we will stand on the side of whatever country we're in and whatever laws are going on. We know the answer is the declaration of is of a full and true gospel. Also, if you want to get on this conversation, 99.3 FM, Facebook Live every Wednesday and Friday. There's a tremendous conversation going on right now in regards to uh, abortion, which has once again been, we're in the battle. It's been briefly uh, beat down again in the state of Iowa and New York is kowtowing it by lighting up the new tower in pink, declaring we can, the, the, the legislation simply states we can abort a baby from conception to birth. I want to play it, uh, say it out there right, right again. When does life begin? And we know that um, cultures have argued over this, especially our culture, right. for years. And God has made it so very clear to us. 
as a believer, you ought have no, uh, you should not have any wavering in your mind so that you can have these conversations. You must understand when life begins. Psalm 51.5 says, I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, if you're born a sinner from the moment your mother conceived you, we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We know that. Then life begins from the moment your mother conceived you. The Bible makes it very clear that life begins at conception, not merely at birth. That has to be understood. Yeah, it does. And to be honest with you folks, you've you got to understand from a biological standpoint, it's also science. So for those that run around saying, well, it's science, there's the science. It's, it's funny that the, the, the part that you might have to have faith for is that where Scripture says that God says, before you were in your, formed in your mother's heart, I knew you. It means prior to that. It means you were in my heart. I had the intentionality towards you. There's even the cellular level science now being shown that without a plan, that cell would not know what to do. Without an intentional plan, that cell would not know what to do. So uh, when we talk about that, and Judy, you mentioned there too, in cultures, we have multiple cultures in this country, mm-hmm. multiple cultures in this country. And um, a brother Les called in earlier, and he was saying in, in the African-American community, uh, why aren't people rising up in that? And we just had this discussion. We, what's kind of funny is we don't know that they're not, you know, because if the media is going to be biased, and by the way, the media is biased, and I, and I confess this again, I am biased. There's a reason I am biased, because I have been saved, because by no small amount of grace has God saved my life, and by no small amount of grace am I sitting here today. Therefore, I am biased because of who Christ is and that he is living and that the spirit of God lives in me. And I am biased, not perfect, but I am biased towards his righteousness. Um, when you are talking about the percentage of people that are killed, um, we discussed it here. Roughly, roughly of all the abortions done, 25 percent of those. OK, African. Is that correct, Bob? Am I, am yes, I right in, the, in the U.S. In since the, Roe v. Wade, since Roe v. Wade in the United States, roughly 25 percent. Of the aborted babies are the African-American community. Yes. And you cannot grow or desire to have benefits for a community or have places for policy when the greatest percentage of your reproduction is being killed. Mm -hmm. And that is not a blessing to anybody. That's not the freedom for their benefit. That's actually taking away any person's ability to do anything further in life. Right. I have an article here. Uh, This is uh, on the Christian Newswire. Uh, President of National Black Pro-Life Union warns the KKK, black genocide, and abortion are all connected. In 1939, Margaret Sanger initiated the Negro Project, a simple plan to to get rid of black people through abortion and sterilization. Uh, In 1939, Sanger initiated the Negro Project, and she knew that some blacks would figure out her sinister plot, so she decided to pay clergy and charismatic members of the black community to deliver the deceptive message to their congregations and neighborhoods. Yep. In yep. a letter to Dr. Clarence Gamble, Sanger wrote, we should hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities. The most successful educational approach to the Negroes is through religious appeal. We don't want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. 
The minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. Sanger did her homework. She knew we were culturally religious body of people, and she knew that for blacks at the time, the church was our meeting place, our town hall. Bottom line is she used black people to destroy black communities in the same way Satan used Judas to deliver Jesus. And it says today, black ministers, politicians, and community organizers are still hired to support Margaret Sanger's form of ethnic cleansing with full knowledge of how abortion is decimating the black community. They, like Judas, have sold their souls for 30 pieces of silver. That's right. Mm. Mm. The same thing is happening. I I, I don't want to say this. Uh, The same thing is happening within the church community. Because all culture knows that where there is a strong stance for Christianity, that's where they need to infiltrate. And let me tell the, the entire church community right now where the infiltration is. Um, right now, there is intentionality to confuse the gender of the male man. Number two, as long as that's accepted, as long as that is accepted, you have the vote of the church to not call sin, sin. Once you have removed that... Once you have removed the ability to determine right now, right now, the United Methodist Church is trying to become a part. They have voted for this, what's called the one church plan. I'm going to talk about this today. We don't have time to get after it. But basically what it says is we, the United Methodist Church, want to empower every individual congregation to do what everybody thinks is right, including of the things of holiness. I'm going to sum it up like that, and in particular, uh, homosexual marriage. And and most of the people said, let's do that. Well, I got to tell you something. If nobody gets to say that there is right or wrong, and that's what brings us together as a people, if what brings us into unity together is that we are all accepting of all individual ideas about what's right and wrong, my question is this, then who gets to say what's right and wrong? Well, I'm here to tell you the devil, the enemy, the father of lies gets to do that, which is why the gospel needs to be preached now a full gospel, one of judgment, one of the holiness of God, and then one of our need for his righteousness, which only comes through him, and then righteous living or consecration as a result of that. Uh, Let's have that conversation about that uh, legislation and what the Methodist Church is doing on Friday. Can we do that? Okay, I would like to answer a couple questions here that I know people have or people declare. And one of the things that I commonly hear is, don't I have the final say over what happens to my body? First Corinthians six twelve through 13 says, you may say I am allowed to do anything, but I reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything But our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Now, we had a caller uh, call in, Les, who was talking about when we view um, abortion and the option to be our own right, we are not considering the babies as having life. We are considering them as property. But in Jeremiah 1.5, God says, I knew you before I even formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before I even formed you in your mother's womb. That means God knows those babies. He knows those children. And that life is considered valid and necessary by God. God loves each and every life. 
Ephesians 3, 18 says, May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love really is. God can cleanse and God can heal us from any and all sin, no matter how big or how terrible it might be. You must know your value.